Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Men, welcome back to our fourth week in our first Peter series at Man Challenge via Vimeo, via podcast. It's a five-week series. We've got one week after this one with Chris Burke and Sam Reeder. Um, both guys who have had a very busy week, so grateful to sit alongside you all as we break down God's Word. We have a ton to cover today. Mm. So I am going to pray and then and jump right into the text. Uh, Father, as we open your word that you've inspired by your spirit, um, revealing who you are, uh, particularly in your son, Jesus, would you help us um, know, love, and trust you more as we are um, exposed to the reality of your truth? Um, help us not only perceive and know things, but tie our brain to our hearts, Lord, and lead us into faith and obedience uh, that, that brings glory to you. Mm-hmm. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. 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 So we're in 1 Peter, fellas. Um, Again, Peter's writing to a group that he has called chosen exiles, the people of God who are um, seemingly foreigners in their current society. And so we as as Christians living distinct lives from our society look to Peter's words inspired by the Spirit to help guide us in the the ways that we're called to be. And Peter starts today, chapter 3, verse 8, if you want to turn there with me. Chapter 3, verse 8, Peter starts saying this. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And while um, that might be difficult in any day and age, truthfully, um, we are in a boy, oh boy, a, a social context that requires us as as Christians living in distinct Christian community to really pursue those five godly characteristics. Mm. Um, so I, I just say, I'm going to let you two kind of break them down, back and forth, each characteristic, starting with unity of mind. What does it mean to have unity of mind? How do we pursue that? I can jump in first. Yeah, I mean, go, consistently go through Scripture, we get this imagery that's often used of the body, that we're different parts of the same body, and that you may be an ear, you're an eye, I'm a nose. So never in Scripture we called to be completely uniform and all look the same. I don't think that's what the call is here, but rather parts of the same collective, the same body working together in harmony with Christ being the head. Uh, so when we get this this call to have unity of mind, uh, our, our, our fix, our gaze, our focus should be set on the same end game, the same ultimate reality. Um, Along the way, we have differing gifts. The Spirit does that too. So again, it's not uniformity, but, but there is unity of mind. There is a, a cohesiveness to the body that it's functioning as one unit. Just like the parts of a team work together for one yeah. ultimate aim. By the same token, we're not, we're not called to be robotic in the fact that we're always going to agree. You may think the sure. world will always be better than us in soccer. I might <laughs> think that if USA tried harder, we would kill everybody. We can disagree on that. Yeah, sure. But ultimately, we should be able to have that conversation with respect because we flow from this same. Can you guys tell the important conversations Burke and I were having before we started recording? <laughs> like right before. We flow from the same king. 
Yeah. We, we submit to the same king. So we're like-minded in that. He is, he is at the top of the pyramid. Yeah. And everything else is underneath that. And so our hearts and our minds should be aligned with the things he cares about first. Uh, the spirit might move in you differently than the spirit moves in me. Your flesh is going to scream different things than my flesh is going to yeah. scream. So we, can, we should be able to be like-minded in that we can go back to the same list of priorities to go through issues with, yeah. have conversations. Uh, it's okay to disagree is my point. Yeah. But it's we, not we have to adhere to yeah. the, the same principles. That's, you both said it. Well, it's not uniformity. Mm-hmm. It's a unity of gaze. Mm-hmm. Our unity of mind, we need to all have as Christians, if we're believers, our minds set on Colossians 3, set on things that are above. Mm. What about, I'm going to combine yeah, two I, here. I, well, I'll, I'll say that the next three, uh-huh. I'm incapable of without the fifth. Mm. Yeah. You know, so uh, let's you know, go there then. A yeah, well, I mean, mind. to me, to be sympathetic, and we're going to talk about this uh, a lot here over the, the next uh, couple of weeks. But like, to me, uh, like being sympathetic and compassionate are two of the things that my flesh almost can't do. Like, I'm just really bad at it. My yeah. wife reminds me of that consistently every time a, one of our child says. I feel good. You know, it's just like, I just, I struggle with that. I struggle with sympathy. I struggle with compassion, but I will say that when I'm, when I'm, when I'm commanded by scripture to, uh, be humble of mind, Mm. uh, and to think, think of others. Uh, and, and I would say that, you know, the times we're living in is really causing us to, to ponder some of the things that we can maybe be, uh, unsympathetic to, or, uh, ha- not have a proper perspective on as it pertains to some of the social ills that are going on in our country right now. Like this is a really good word for me because this isn't yeah. like, Hey, you know, things would go better for you. If you would no, like scripture commands me to be sympathetic. Mm. Scripture commands me to be compassionate. Scripture mm. commands me um, to be humble. And to me, when I clothe myself in that humility, I got a chance to be the other things. Yeah. And we're going to talk a lot about, I mean, mm-hmm. you hit, clothing ourselves in humility. Mm-hmm. We're going to hit that next week loud and clear. Uh, but I think that's good. You can't pursue, you can't be sympathetic, love one another as a brother, be compassionate, have a tender heart without humility in Christ. Uh, but to those specifically, Sam, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, hmm. what's that look like? Well, uh, it certainly doesn't look like judgment. It, it hmm. certainly doesn't look like uh, throwing stones, uh, I think, Take a page out of James' book, it looks like being slow to speak, quick to listen, mm-hmm. slow to anger, which, same vein as you, Burke, man, that's not what my flesh likes. My mm. flesh likes the exact opposite mm-hmm. of that. Uh, so I think slowing down, shutting my mouth, opening my ears, softening my heart, mm. allowing the Spirit to do those things, um, I think that's a good place to start mm-hmm. in the pursuit of these, these characteristics. Yeah. and I just, We're going to talk about this more <clears throat> next week. So I, need, I probably need to move on. But humility, God gives grace to that, right? The, I oppose mm-hmm. the proud, I give mm-hmm. grace to the humble. That type of, simply, do we have minds that are changeable? Do we have a posture in which we are able to be moved, essentially? Moved to compassion, moved to sympathy. I think that's really difficult to, to recognize in ourselves is that I, I don't have that a lot of the times. Right. And, and I, I, nor do I, but here's the, here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Do we view these as like helpful suggestions or commands by yeah. the Holy God of the universe? The, yeah. You know, and, and to me, when you, 
when you filter things through, you know what, I might, I might think about sprinkling a little more compassion into my life. That's, that's a different mindset than God has commanded me to have a compassionate heart. Now, that doesn't mean every time my kid scrapes his knee, I'm going to, you know, oh, you know, like th- these are different things. These are talking about matters of the heart. These yeah. are talking about dealing with different people groups. This is talking about things that are um, of mourn with legitimate those who mourn, significance. Weep with those who weep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's right. good. It's not a suggestion. Right. It's a command. My man, my man Moody, real quick. This yeah, is so it. beautiful, I gotta say it. My man Moody says, These are not virtues chosen at random, but rather like fingers of the hand, they radiate from one center and they work together. The key to all of them is love and grace. They reflect grace, love, and compassion, that of Jesus Christ. So I think just real ap- uh, good application of this is maybe spend some time devotionally praying through this list and asking the Spirit to reveal to you what you are lacking here. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then secondly, asking Him to grow you in that area. Yeah. I know I have th- these last few weeks, like big time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moving on, Peter says, verses 9 through 12. So he tells us what to do, what to be. Now he moves to the negative commands. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. There's a a really um, famous Martin Luther King Jr. quote that I think we only hear the first half of it more often than not. And I want to read the whole thing in its entirety because it's a beautiful exposition of what Peter's saying here. He says, returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. And he says what we often hear is that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And he's saying, here's what Peter said. Here's what the Lord says in his word. Here's how we are to, uh, Peter's writing to sufferers who are experiencing oppression, marginalization, difficulty, strife, maybe even persecution. He's saying in response, we're not to, uh, it's not tit for tat. It's not quid pro quo. Mm. I am to not revile, not be violent, not repay evil for evil, but instead bless. There was a, um, a missionary couple in the 1950s. The story is incredible, and you're going to hear me quote this lady a lot over the next couple of weeks as we talk about suffering. Jim and Elizabeth Elliot moved to Ecuador in the 1950s to um, do missions work to indigenous peoples there. So... Um, In their evangelism, Elizabeth's husband, Jim, uh, was going to an unreached tribe, an indigenous people, and was speared to death trying to evangelize. Evil was committed against her husband. He He was not trying to imperialize or to culture. He was trying to bring the gospel to a lost people. And they literally speared him to death. And what Elizabeth Elliot did, she spent the next two years learning the language of that indigenous tribe and then spent the next several years living with the people who killed her husband, evangelizing to them. That's, that's the difference of the gospel in the world. You see it all over social media right now. People get defensive, they get argumentative, they wanna be right. God says, bless. Goes on in verse 10, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil. Are we doing that, men? Keep our lips from deceit. Verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let's seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Seek peace and pursue it. That line 
Um, there, is, there is no circumstance that is new to man. Yeah. And, and God's word rings true generation after generation after generation. And for, for those of us that are feeling lost and yeah. um, wandering during this time, like it, it's right here for us. Like how do, what's the roadmap for how am I supposed to handle? It's right here for us. You That's know? it. You bring up a good, but some of us look at this and think, well, I've not been offended in this season. I've not been impacted. I've not been hurt in a way that I'm going to return with violence or with oppression. Mm. Seek peace and pursue it. I, what's the difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking? Peter's saying we need to run after mm. reconciliation, redemption, renewal in all capacities. How are we, and not even just in action, how are we in thought? Are we returning the evil actions of others with evil thoughts in our mind? Jesus says adultery starts in the heart with thought. Mm-hmm. How are we doing that? So we, uh, as men of God, are called not to return evil for evil, but instead to bless. But then uh, the next section, verses 13 through 18 um, I want to do this. I want to jump down to verses 17 and 18. I'm going to read them. Have you sort of unpack that because verses 17 and 18 here in chapter three, give us the the why behind all of these prior verses. So I'll read them and let you sort of break it down for us, Burke. It is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. What's the why behind all this? Uh, here's a simple one for you, Jesus. I mean, you know, it's, it's just like, yeah. we, are, we are Christians, we are of Christ. You mm. know, it's not a denomination, it's not a... Uh, birthright it's a it's a decision that we have made to follow the lord of the universe like i am a christian means i am of christ so if he models this then i am called to follow him in that Mm. regardless of what's easy what's hard what's comfortable what's convenient right um you know, Hebrews 4.15, 4, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Like Jesus, nobody was, nobody suffered more than him unjustly. Nobody. Huh. Uh, and Jesus says to us in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like, and Peter was there, man. Peter heard it. And so here he, like we've seen throughout this book, it's been really cool. Like yeah. Peter is just regurgitating the truth that he has heard from the risen Lord. Yeah. Uh, and here he does it again, man. Like, um, you know, Jesus did it. We're called to follow him. When you, you tied to the Sermon on the Mount, which is a very great segue to the next verses. So jumping back up to verse 13 and 14 here. <laughs> now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, to Burke's point, like Jesus did in his death and atonement for us, paying for our sins and being resurrected and bringing us into new life for those who believe in him, even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. I'm getting ahead of myself. You will be blessed, Sam. It reminds me (laughs) of a line that the Burkosaurus brings from Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5. Matthew 5. What's Peter telling us here? And what's that got to do with what's going on in Jesus' most famous sermon? 
so the Beatitudes, right? Matthew 5, kind of that opening 10 or so verses. Uh, Jesus, is, when, when he steps on the scene, he talks a lot about this idea of the kingdom of God. And Bert, you said this when we talked about unity. We've got the same king. That when we are citizens of the kingdom of God, we are under his kingship. And it's a whole different way of looking at things. It's the upside down way of Jesus. We refer to it often where, where the meek and, and, and the broken, the marginalized find victory through Christ. It's like this upside down way uh, of viewing blessing. Our, our, our culture, our world tells us that blessing is uh, the blessed life. The good life would be pursuing anything that feels good, looks good. Mm-hmm. You deserve it. Go mm-hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. But we spent five weeks in the Psalms. And we saw right at the opening of the book, Psalm 1, that the blessed man, hmm. he's the one who, who goes to the word of God mm-hmm. and meditates on it. Mm-hmm. He, he's like a tree planted beside still waters, streams. That, that To know God, to be in intimate relationship with him, there is nothing better. That if God who is who he claims to be, if he really is love, and if he really is good, and if he really is just... And he really is this great host and, and the good shepherd. If he is who he claims to be, there's nothing better than us knowing him, yeah. being known by him. That's the blessed life. That's what life is in Psalm 1. Uh, so when Peter's talking to these who have been marginalized, separated, isolated, persecuted, suffering people, he's not throwing hopes of prosperity at him by the way the world defines it. Right, We talked about last week that they didn't have land, they didn't have possessions, they were without. Yet, somehow Peter is encouraging them by saying, you're going to be blessed. Why? Because it's not the way the world defines it, it's the way God defines it. And I, I love that right in verse 18, uh, Christ suffered, why? That he might bring us to God. That's so our, it. our suffering, to tie it back, and I think, mm. maybe taking a step back here, Peter's writing to a specific group of people and we can almost maybe feel distanced from that. Well, I don't suffer the way they did. Mm. Elizabeth Elliot, who I mentioned earlier, has some great resources on suffering and she gives a really helpful definition of suffering. I think we can push into our application of God's word here. She says, suffering is uh, having what you do not want or wanting what you do not have. Having what you do not want or wanting what you do not have. And so you can see the paradigm that exists in suffering. Some of us um, want things we don't have, a spouse, a reconciled relationship, a loved one we've lost, a job that's been lost. Some of us like me have what we do not want. I had a crick in my neck this week. Didn't want that. I can, we can laugh at that. That's silly. Like I shouldn't be when compared it's to- It's actually really annoying, but super I annoying. Yeah. But, but what <clears throat> Peter's saying here is we're gonna suffer. Mm-hmm on whatever scale you might uh, let yourself see it as suffering, we're called to suffer a certain way for righteousness' sake because God and his subverted economy can redeem that and utilize that, mm. which is just... I think sometimes in our Western American world, like it's, it's, it's I feel an almost, not always, but in most instances, I almost feel unworthy of saying the word suffering. It mm-hmm. sounds like hyperbole, you know. Yeah. I'd rather say sacrificing or dying to self, I feel like that's, and I'm not saying those are dissimilar things, yeah. right? But I mean, Peter's talking to some people that are suffering. Right. I mean, as, as we would define it, yeah. right? Um, so, but just as applicable to us, and I think we have to ask ourselves, like if, if I don't ever feel 
that war of sacrifice or, or dying to flesh. Who am I following? Yeah, where, where am I at with this whole? Yeah, who's my king? Yeah, who's my who's my king? Because at some point there there should be some sacrifice, some some dying to self going on. Yeah, good word. So then part part two of verse fourteen, he says, "Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered." Those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. And this is a, a pretty popular apologetics text. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about that. But first, I want to see here, um, I think some of us can translate that verse to, I need to be able to prove God to people. Mm. And while there's a reality in having an understanding of the logic, the philosophy, the science, the metaphysics, the thermophysics yeah. behind uh, God's existence, what he says is, You should be able to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So we're called to tell why we have hope. And sometimes that looks like a testimony. Mm -hmm. That looks like the supernatural, not to be able to be explained in natural, the natural aspect of God's creation. Um, But before we move on from that, who are some great apologetics people that have have blessed you as you've grown? I know you're both guys who enjoy that stuff. Mm -hmm. I'll say for me, resources for you guys to consider. Tim Keller, Rebecca McLaughlin. Who would you say, Bert? I'd say Strobel, Turek, two guys that I've read. Lee Strobel. Uh-huh. Frank Turek. Frank Turek. Mm-hmm. Norman Geisler probably yep. falls in that yep. group. Yep. Strobel's great. I've suggested his Case for Christ to a number of people, especially Case for Creator. That's good with yeah. uh, guys trained by The whole series. Uh, Ravi Zacharias, who recently passed. Yeah. He's tremendous. He has tons of videos all over YouTube, and he speaks to all the big topics of our day with such – just grace and gentleness and mm-hmm. how he approaches it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got a great manner. He, he, he models this verse very well. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, I want to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that because we can look at defending our faith as defensiveness at times. And I think a lot of times that's what ushers people away from the Lord is our posture mm. with which the knowledge that we hold. Mm. So how do we, with gentleness and respect, defend the reason for our hope? Well, this is a great Great question to ask me right now, Mason, as, as, as uh, you and I had a nice argument prior to <laughs> our taping about uh, American soccer. But uh, here's, here's the deal. Like, this is another one of those sympathy, compassion, and wanting to be right. Like, those are, you could, uh, you know, I've got a long list of, of fleshly sins, and those are all uh, right up there at the top of them. I, I would say that experience in having these conversations and then putting my nose in God's word uh, has helped me very much to improve in this. Uh, first of all, like we've talked about with all this stuff, the model of Jesus is not winning arguments. It's, it's, it's asking a lot of questions and then listening to the answer and let others reveal their heart mm. through, those, through those answers. And then as a discerning follower of Jesus whose desire in the whole conversation is that that person would know Jesus more, mm. That person has now given you a pathway to then hopefully make them think and hopefully search. Because hmm. ultimately, I can't save anybody. Yeah. Certainly, the arguments that I've sifted through aren't going to save anybody. But if I ask questions and they reveal their heart, maybe I can point them in a direction or, or present them with an idea or a thought process that's different than theirs that then would make them go pursue that. Yeah. And then through that, 
pursuit of God, ask, seek, knock, hmm. drawing near to God through that pursuit, then their relationship with God will either start or uh, hold firmer or grow. Yeah. Um, and so that, that, is, that is something I've learned through the way of uh, somebody that likes a good argument. I, I like uncomfortable conversations. I, I love them, as a matter of fact. Um, but through my years, I'm like, you know, this person really has tuned me out. Like, I'm talking, and they're, they're not listening. Yeah. I need to quit talking and let them talk. And they may hey, well, you think about reading this book, or yeah. have you ever thought about that? You know what I'm saying? And so when that you... gentleness and respect is such a huge piece to this, be prepared to give an answer. Yeah. Well, you said it well. Is it, are you more concerned with being right <clears throat> or revealing the grace of God mm-hmm. to whoever you're interacting mm-hmm. with? And I think that's a, an important call before we move on. I mean, fellas, can you defend the reason for your hope? Whether that's with the third law of thermodynamics or uh, with the supernatural transformation of your character. Mm-hmm. I think one of my best defenses, <laughs> sitting in a car with a girl and she said, well, what changed? And I was like, oh, you think I'm different? Mm. Yeah, that's good. Let me point. Good evidence, yeah. I'll be a mirror as, because that's all I am. And so that's what we're called to, with gentleness, respect, a yearning, a care for those who are loving. But I, I just think about when they came to Jesus, Pharisees came to Jesus and said, well, what about this taxes deal? What do you think about taxes? Yeah, let me see that coin. Yeah. Whose face is on it? Caesar. Caesar. Pay to Caesar what's Caesar. You know, it's disappointing. He, think about where Jesus could have gone with that question. I mean, could you imagine where Jesus could have gone with that question? Yeah. But it's just simple. It makes them think. It sends them away curious. Um, so I've tried to move in that direction. Yeah. I love that you said you could never save anybody. It's the work of the Spirit for mm-hmm. sure. Also, it's fitting. We've been there a lot recently. The fruit of the Spirit, one of them is gentleness. Mm-hmm. So if, if you want a, a measuring stick for uh, how you're doing and defending your own faith with others, if there's no fruit in it, no gentleness, you may not be uh, having conversations that are led by the Spirit. You may be just looking to pick a fight and mm. show how big your brain is. Uh, I am tempted to go that route a lot. So again, we're back to My the My favorite yeah. pastor, Keller, Tim Keller, says... If you're defensive or argumentative, probably pride coming into play. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you can't debate, have real conversation, mm-hmm. but if there's defensiveness, argumentativeness, like what's coming? I, I, just to put a bow on this, yeah. you, you can't give Please what you do. don't have. Mm-hmm. And uh, unexamined faith is probably one not worth uh, having. Sheesh. And so like, like dive in, be convicted. Uh, you know, one of our mantras here at Man Challenge, confidence and competence in who Jesus is. So, like, this is not a, oh, don't worry about, no, like, no, like, dive in to the reasons for the hope that you have. But just when you find yourself in those settings, make sure you're, you know, adhering to the gentleness and respect aspect of how you deliver and disseminate that information. Yeah, we, we got run. Yep. I knew we would get hung up there. That's, that's, that's good, good stuff. good though. stuff, yeah. Um, jump with me right into the middle of a sentence in verse 19, because <clears throat> remember Burke talked about 17 and 18 being the why behind our defense and our, our blessing. It says, in which, he's talking about Jesus, he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formally did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this now, saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. I'm gonna give it the fastest 
briefest explanation of this as I can, and then I want you to make a comment afterwards, Sam. This is kind of a bizarre passage. Uh, Generally speaking, Noah, so he's talking about Noah here. Noah was a really, really prominent figure in ancient Asia Minor. So remember, that's who Peter's writing to. Um, In fact, you talked about Caesar and his coin earlier. They found coins on one side, the face was Caesar. On the other side of the coin was Noah and his wife. And so like, who, who is on our penny? Whose face? Ooh, ooh. Lincoln. Oh yeah, thank you, wow. O for one Burke, one for one Sam. Abraham wow. Lincoln. So think about, there's this prominent Everybody knows figure that. in society. And, and what Peter's doing is using this prominent figure's story to, to reveal who God is. So Noah and the ark, what God does is he delivers a righteous few, Noah and his family, and brings wrath and judgment upon the unrighteous many, the rest of the world who had fallen into such a deteriorated point of sin that God said, we're wiping the slate clean. Mm. And what he's saying is the same God who delivered the righteous few and, and brought wrath on the unrighteous is the same God who's protecting, willing to deliver you and your suffering people of Asia Minor. So these people can achieve quote unquote righteousness only by trusting that, that Jesus has brought them righteousness and his atonement for them. And that also those who are oppressing them are going to receive their judgment someday. Does that make sense? That's a really short, and he talks about baptism a little bit. He says, basically, God used water to deliver Noah. We see baptism as a sacrament, as a symbol. He's saying it's a symbol through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's an act of our obedience in faith that the, the, Jesus is bringing salvation and deliverance mm-hmm. for us. If you want to ask more questions, you can email me. Um, if you want to listen to it again, it's on podcast. Just rewind for a second. But Sam, difficult texts. Yes. When we come to them in scripture and there's mm-hmm. some bizarre verses like verse 19 or mm-hmm. chapter four, verse six, mm-hmm. how do we um, not miss the forest for the tree? And I say it backwards. Whatever, I know what you mean. However that idiom goes. Uh, so a lot of times if you're studying a book like this, first five verse, the way we are, yeah. you'll hit a pothole and you're like, wait a second in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. What is that about? Yeah. And so maybe you're curious, you start Googling and all kinds of stuff comes up and there's a number of, of understandings of what this may or may not mean. Also, Mason said it's uh, chapter four, verse six. Same kind of concept, like what in the world is that about? So first off, let me say, we don't need to try to hide anything in scripture right. and we don't need to run from anything mm-hmm. in scripture. And when yeah. something is weird, we don't need to throw it out the window. We need to humble ourselves and ask the Lord, what are you trying to teach me here? Yeah. So uh, first off, just in my brevity of what I'm gonna say next, I just want a first disclaimer of saying, uh, don't run from it. If you're interested in diving into that topic, dive in. And if you wanna know more about it, there's tons of resources, we can make them available to you. Uh, But simply put, what I will say, regardless of what this means, whether it means Jesus, when he died on the cross, went down into the underworld and preached to people or fallen angels, or if this was metaphorical, or if it's saying by the spirit, he did something a long time ago, there's all kinds of options. What I would encourage you to, to say, to yourself, to your heart, to your mind, is a quote that I run to a lot from a, a great pastor named Alistair Begg, where he says, the main things are the plain things, mm-hmm. and the plain things are the main things. Mm-hmm. And that's so, not airplanes, that's... <laughs> that's right. So when you read scripture and you hit a pothole, 
step back and remind yeah. yourself, what is the main thing Peter is saying to, to believers in this? Don't get confused by what's, what's gray. Focused on the clear so you don't lose heart of what he's saying. And the main thing is, it's encouragement. Look what Christ has done for us. We can endure suffering. You should still dive into this topic, yeah. but don't, don't, don't get lost yeah. in rabbit holes Remind yourself what the main things are, and they're quite plain and here, if you'll pay attention. Yeah, yeah, here it is. God is both Savior and Judge. Hmm. He's delivering the righteous and, and bringing justice upon the unrighteous. There you go. Verses 4, 1 through 6. Um, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Thank yep. you. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. It says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached mm. even to those who are dead, that though who judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. And so again, Peter's orienting their minds. He is both your savior, but he's also your judge. Sam, what do you see in these couple verses? I think he's just putting a little meat on it. Uh, You know, he was being a little more vague up 317. Hey, it's better to suffer for doing good, uh, if that's God's will, than to do evil. And here he's getting a little more practical. He's saying, Jesus suffered in his flesh. That's what his flesh looked like. Hmm. What yours should look like is something similar. The opposite of that would be, sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking. Surely this isn't an exhaustive list, but hey, just a couple practical things. That's not what suffering in the flesh looks like. That's pursuing (laughs) pleasure in the flesh. Rather, you should look like Christ who suffered for our good. I think he's just being real practical. That's good. I want to, I just want to move on. I want to spend our last couple minutes in these final verses because I think they're um, really, really helpful. Verse seven, chapter four says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one, speaks, uh, as one who speaks oracles, oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Tons to, to unpack there. Let, um, me, let me start us off please. just real quick. So uh, verses 7 and 8 have a lot of significance to me and my family. Uh, I've shared a number of times from stage that in 2004, my sister uh, was killed in a car accident. And uh, she would tell anybody the number one most important relationship in her life was with her and her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, and so she, we, we got her Bible after she passed uh, the next couple of days, and we were kind of flipping through it. And it was marked to this page, and, and this verse was highlighted, mm-hmm. 7 and 8, that the end of all things is near. So be self-controlled, be sober-minded, so that you can pray, and above all, 
love each other dearly because love covers a multitude of sins. I mean, that's ominous, that's heavy, that's powerful mm-hmm. all at once. But uh, my aunt actually framed, p- printed that off and framed that and gave it to basically everybody in the family. So a lot of us have uh, have that hung up. Dane just made a post about it in this quiet time, just I think yesterday, uh, my cousin. Um, this is a verse that's hung with me and just, you know, one of those you kind of run to that just means a lot. Uh, but what a great verse to commit to memory. And, and what a timely verse today, just a reminder that love covers a multitude of sins. You just quoted MLK about hate doesn't drive out hate, it's only love. I mean, it's just the power of the Word of God. Yeah. It's encouraging. I just want to share that. We can yeah, keep thanks. moving. But. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Burke, as, as those last couple verses, 10 through 12, as each has received a gift, use it to serve. Uh, if you speak, speak as if you're using the very words of God. If you serve by the strength that God supplies. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of that. <laughs> yes. Uh, how do I, well, maybe you can define what it means a little bit, but how do I do it? Well, first of all, I just say this, this entire passage that we're going through here, this, I mean, you talk about practical to any group of people in any period of time. Uh, here's a list of things that's common that men like to run to. Don't do those. Those aren't good for you. Yeah. And, you know, if you think like our culture's whacked out now, I mean, just look at just the short list that Peter just told those, those right. people, like, y'all shouldn't be doing this. Uh, you know, there, what does Paul tell us? There is no sin that is uncommon to man. Uh-huh. Like, uh, don't do that stuff. Uh, here's some stuff you should do, right? You should use the gifts God's given you for his glory and the good of others. Hmm. Like, pretty practical. Where does God have you? How are you using the platform he's given you, platform a little bit of an overused term, but people that you can influence, the people that you can serve, the people that um, you work with, the, the, the neighbors that uh, are around you. Like, how are you using that place and time where God has you right now for his glory and the good of others? And, and I'm just telling you, like, I, we pray about it with my kids all the time. Uh, it's a meditation of my heart. God, you have me here today. How can I point people to you and make their day better? Um, not to sound like a, a Hallmark card, but like, seriously, like yeah. it, it, that, that'll get you up in the morning. And Peter just lays it out right here. Um, you know, if you speak, do it the, as speaking to the very words of God, that'll, that'll convict you. Uh, if you serve, do it with the strength that God provides. Um, so then in all things, God may be praised through Jesus, right? Like, and so if you just keep that as your, as your focus, man, it's easy to get through some of the things that'll, that'll hold you up, that'll trip you up, that'll get you down. Yeah. Um, and to me, it provides purpose on things that seem surfacey or worldly. You can say, man, I'm going to spend my time over there today. What? Okay, but this is my purpose. So let me figure out a way to see if I can, if I can do that. Whether it's an encouraging word to somebody, because that's, showing God's love to others, or it's a, it's a, you know, somewhat of a stand in a conversation or a mood that's, that's not honoring to God. Like if you can, if we can make that a meditation of our mind and a, and a desire of our heart, uh, purpose to me becomes, uh, very practical in all settings. That's good. I was very convicted by those verses this week, thinking about how often I want to serve by my own strength, mm. which is, I mean, fades in a moment, right? I, I just, I was looking up a, a prayer a guy sent me this week, just reminded of 
how much value do I attribute to my words and to my efforts? And where is my source for truth and guidance and all that? It's just Well, I, I would just say that, like, this is not a pat me on my back, but, like, I had a, a very unusual week this week. And my flesh, <laughs> two or three times, wanted to bow out. I was just going to go, I oh, don't understand. Like, but then it's like, okay, what an honor it is to be called to do this. Yeah. And so looking at it through that lens, only because of my biblical view, uh, and then what, do, what does God always do? Like, it is, it is better to give than to receive. Like, I, mm-hmm. I end up being the one that gets the blessing yeah. out of the study of his word and the giving uh, to, to things that he cares about. Yeah. When Peter closes the little doxology there, and I'll say one word and let you close us, Sam. He ends with the word amen. Mm. We tend to say that thinking like, I'm saying goodbye to God. Amen means let it be. Let it be. And so we look to that and we say, let it be. Amen. Uh, just in summary, I'd say we've seen a number of things this week, but just some real practical points, I think, to take home and to, to think through that whole piece about apologetics. Always be prepared to make a defense for the hope, not for how smart you are, but for the hope that's in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I think that's a good thing to kind of chew on and be reminded of. Uh, I think Burke's word, you can't give what you don't have. And in terms of unity, we have the same king. Those are just very practical phrases, I think, to kind of meditate on and chew on. Uh, but I think the best way to close, let me just read chapter 3, verse 8 again. Because yeah. I think that's just so timely and powerful. And if we would just sit in that and be sharpened by this, uh, I think we would stand out in this world for the better. Can that so. be our prayer? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Amen. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. Father, help us to be marked by obedient lives that look like this, that look like your son Jesus. We ask that for the good of this world, of this society, of this country. We need it, Father. Um, Spirit, we can only do these things. We can only be changed in this way by you and your work. So we ask you to do this good work in us uh, for the good of those around us, but namely, Lord, for your glory, because to you belongs the dominion forever and ever. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.